This week on Just Like That, the number one Mike Goldberg-inspired podcast on the planet, we will recap UFC Fight Night, Lad vs. Dumont, hit you with our segments, Isn't He Awesome, and Real World Callouts, and last but not least, we'll preview UFC Fight Night, Costa vs. Vittori. Here we go. Here we go. Welcome to another episode of Just Like That. We are really, really close to some nice pay-per-view cards coming up here, but we still got one more fight night in the way. We got a pretty good one coming up, though, with uh, Paulo Costa and Marvin Vittori that we'll be previewing. We also have a card to recap from last week, but before we get to all that, we'll start, as we always do, with our take of the week. So, Ryan, as always, take us away. All right. So, the... uh Nate Diaz versus Vicente Luque uh, fight has been in the news somewhat lately. Um, and it seems like, from what I've gathered from everything I've read, basically, UFC is refusing to book Nate Diaz versus Vicente Luque. Uh, pretty sure they haven't sent Nate or Vicente Luque a contract. And reasoning is, because we've come to find out, Nate Diaz only has one fight left on his contract with the UFC. And from, from what it seems like, he's refusing to sign a new deal. So it sounds like he's uh, pretty intent on fighting out his contract. And uh, I saw Ali, uh, whatever his name is, um, mention that he suspects that um, the UFC's refusing to book him versus Vicente Luque for his last fight because they they only have one Nate Diaz fight guaranteed left. They're going to make him hold out until the Connor trilogy. <laughs> Yeah, I think they uh, maybe they even called upon Connor to uh, put some pressure on him because he randomly started tweeting at Nate the other day. Um, there was some tweet somebody somebody was advising Nate not to sign, allegedly advising Nate not to sign a an agreement or uh, an extension. And uh, Connor was tweeting like something about how he made Nate Diaz, and which is, that's one of the most ridiculous things he claims. Like the Diaz brothers were nobodies before they fought Connor. Uh, that's that's probably one of the most ridiculous claims he makes. No doubt it was a big for his name and profile, but like that's that's insane. But um, yeah, somebody was somebody was getting in Connor's ear though to uh, to put some tweets out and put some pressure on uh, on Nate. Yeah, so I think like as soon as Connor's ready to go, that's probably going to be his first fight back, and then Nate will fight out the contract, and uh, yeah, they'll probably make it for an interim belt. So Nate has to get uh, a few more fights on his contract. If you win the belt. You gotta you gotta sign a few more deals. <laughs> Could a guy like Nate or a guy like Connor actually like, especially like, let's just say the biggest guys in the sport? Could they get to a point where they they can sign like per fight like one fight deals or two fight deals? How come they always have to sign like a seven fight deal? Yeah, I, I have no clue. You would think they would, but uh, it's just the UFC. I, I'm pretty sure the UFC refuses to to sign just one fight deals. It, it seems like they want them under. Under lock and key, basically. Yeah, because otherwise, I mean, they go to the highest bidder, which all it would take is somebody to come along, and I mean, it would it would be it would be mayhem if that was the case. But you'd think some of these big name guys could actually get away with doing that, because it's like right. what, what leverage does anyone else have? Yeah, I'm assuming here. If uh, here's another take: if if Nate Diaz does fight out his contract and then just free agency, his first fight is going to be against Jake Paul. Um, he's going to box Jake Paul most likely. Make a few million bucks and then uh, figure out MMA after that. 
Yeah, I get a nice little uh, a nice little paycheck there, and hopefully get a win back for the MMA community. Yeah, that would just be a terrible if Jake Paul beats him. <laughs> I'd have to go into hiding. <laughs> yeah, you'd have to burn your fight kit and uh, become, <laughs> become a Jake Paul fan. Right. 100%. All right, then. What do you think? What, what do you think happens if he does fight Vicente Luque? Do you think that's a good fight for Nate? I didn't think Leon Edwards was a good fight for him, and he wanted that fight too. So I don't. I don't think uh, Vicente Luque is a good fight for him either. Uh, what are your no, thoughts? No, it's def- definitely not. I don't know why Nate Diaz is refusing to fight at 155 and only fight 170 pounders. Like he'd probably be winning these fights if they were 155 fights. Like if Leon Edwards fought Nate Diaz at 155, if he could make it, just say so. Whatever world. I think Nate Diaz beats him at 155. Like when he has, when he isn't at a huge size. I mean, not that it's a huge size disadvantage, but it's it's enough. It's it's very noticeable in there. And uh, if he was at 155, I think he'd be winning a lot of these fights, especially if they're giving him stand up fighters like they are at the one at 170. Yeah, it's basically he's a big 155 or fighting at 170, and he's fighting huge 170ers fighting at 170. So he's at a he's at a disadvantage and a strength disadvantage to begin with. So, yeah, it's not a. It seems like he's picking out not the best, uh, not the best matchups. But he almost did pull it off against Leon. He bet there's a win in everyone's book. Yeah, I, I still count it as a win, 100. percent You're not alone. You would think you would be alone on that one, but you're not. Uh, pretty much the entire internet agrees. So, um, he's on a what would that be a one fight winning streak because he lost the BMF belt, which he kind of won that too because the doctor stopped it before he was just getting it going. So. Yeah, you can't win a BMF belt on a doctor stoppage. That's bullshit. That's true. That might be another fight they would sell it for silly reasons want to run back. But either way, I could see uh, I could see um, they might be holding him out for a while. So we'll see how that goes. Hopefully, uh, he said he wanted to fight in December. Hopefully, they get it done. But it sounds like uh, could be some complications. Yeah, I feel like the UFC is not going to put him in any fights until that con- if if he's ref- if he unless he. F- Signs an extension. Say they sign him to an extension, then yeah, I, I bet they make the Vicente Luque fight. But if they don't, I couldn't see them risking not being able to make that trilogy. Yeah, I think you're onto something there. That's probably their. That's probably a priority number one, with uh, where everything's going with Connor too. So, uh, I think you're onto something there. Um, move on to my take of the week. I got a kind of a double take. Um, it's a it's a take on a take. Take number one, everyone's calling last week's card that we're about to recap, possibly the worst card ever. We've we've already had a couple worst cards ever. This I mean this one's in the runnings, no doubt, but I honestly think it improved when Holly Holm fell off the card. And that was supposed to be what was uh what was like the uh what was gonna make the card in the first place. I think it was a better card without her. Um Yeah, hundred percent. It's kind yeah, of a hot Holly take, Holm but the most boring fighter and the most overrated and boring fighter in, in the UFC possibly. Um, I mean, she's just, I don't get it. Like besides take out the Ronda Rousey fight. Who, who is Holly home? Like no, nobody, absolute nobody. Yeah. That was her one shining moment was beating up Ronda Rousey, being the first to ever beat up. She's still living off that. And, uh, she can, I mean, not, not actually from an entertainment standpoint, but from a, uh, I guess from a like casual viewer standpoint, carry a card by herself still. Seven years later has it been, or six years later, whatever it's been since she won the belt. And then did she ever even defend it, or did she lose her very next fight to Misha Tate? She lost the very next fight to Misha Tate. She got submitted in like the fourth round on the uh, 
on the Connor versus Nate one card. Oh, so you see, yeah, so there you go. That that was uh, a short-lived title run. I mean, it was just one one good night for her, and uh, yeah, she's still living off that uh, that fame. So uh, yeah, I think it was a better card without her. Um, her replacement, Aspen Lad, who was going through her own problems. Uh, um, this is my actual take of the week. Everyone's all over her coach for uh, for basically screaming at her, and I mean, he was mic'd up and screaming at her between between rounds. I don't know if you've seen like some of the fallout from this. You probably heard it if you had your volume on. Um, so like even some of the fighters were like tweeting that it was like over the line and stuff. I don't think that's true. The coach is an idiot because he was like, it sounded like he was like doing it for a show cause he knew he was mic'd up and the cameras around him, but I don't really, I mean, it's just kind of a, it's just kind of lame to be talking about coaches being too hard on him. They're in a cage fight. All he was saying is like, what are you doing? You have to punch. So he was actually right. I mean, he was, he was an idiot coach, but. I don't think he did anything wrong. I think people complaining about if we start complaining about coaches and how they coach, we're just uh you know, it's just getting a little soft there. Yeah. If it's a guy if it's a a male fighter and a male coach and he's yelling at his fighter, nobody's talking about that whatsoever. I guess there we should point out there is an extra layer to it. Aspen Lat's coach is her husband, I believe, as well. Um, so um, I guess that puts a little bit different spin on it but I, I when you're the coach you're the coach when you're the yeah. after the fight you could be the husband you know yeah it's, it gives him even more incentive to win you know he's right. uh, you, you know he's trying his best to win he's not just uh he i thought the worst thing was he was like it was like a performance like he knew the uh, cameras were on him he was like bell would ring for between rounds and be like all right it's showtime and then right, he, but uh, it really backfired <laughs> on him he, he was did not have a good game plan there yeah, I felt like it was kind of split down the middle. Um, I think Misha Tate said that tweeted that it was like abusive, abusive coach relationships or something. And uh, I mean, I guess she would know. I think she's married to her coach too. But uh, yeah, it's all like DC was basically sticking up for the coach. The coach sucked. I mean, he didn't. He was just like he was almost like whining. But like I said, I don't really want. I don't really want to jump in and just you know. The takeaway from that whole card should not be like that the her coach was mean or whatever because she fought like shit. That was a terrible game plan. Yeah. This um, is a cage fight. I think she can take the coach yelling <laughs> at her in between rounds. She's getting her ass kicked in there. Yeah, reminding like, her to punch. Which she needed. She needed a reminder. She wasn't doing anything. Yeah, so let's just segue straight into the recap here. So we'll start with that. That was the main event. I think we were both on Norman Dumont. Um, Aspen Ladd was the favorite. Um, there was a few factors that you pointed out, being that it was her first fight from a long layoff, second weight cut in a short amount of time, and moving up to a more realistic weight class for her where she doesn't have a huge size advantage. We pretty much saw that all those things, I mean, in some ways worked against her. Definitely the size advantage. You could tell that Norman Dumont was way bigger. I My biggest thing for is just I just thought Norman Dumont's underrated. I don't think she gets has ever gotten really credit she deserved because her first fight in the UFC was a short short notice fight and she lost. But she uh, her stand up looks pretty good and and Aspen Ladd's never had good stand up so she just uh, pieced her up nonstop. I think there was one round where she got a little ground and pound off, which is basically all Aspen Ladd's good at. Other than that, it was just her coach yelling at her and her taking jabs to the face all night. 
Yeah, Aspen Lang got pieced up in this fight. Norma Dumont, um, she really was a superior fighter there. Um, the weight maybe had a small advantage for Norma Dumont. I mean, nothing crazy, I don't think. Uh, I mean, there wasn't that many. I mean, I guess there were some clinch positions and stuff that it helped her, you know, establish control of and not get taken down. Because um, Aspen Ladd, like we saw, I mean, she needs to get the takedown and land that ground and pound. I mean, when she did get the, when she did get top control there, I mean, she's scary when she starts throwing yeah. that ground and pound. She's uh, she's like a demon. But um, you know, unfortunately, she was only able to get it there off of a uh, Norman Dumont takedown. I think that she was able to re- sweep and reverse. So um, other than that, I mean, the fight was pretty much all Norman Dumont, and yeah, I mean, it was a good performance by her. Yeah, not much more to it. It was a, uh, it was kind of a sleeper main event. Again, I think it was a better main event than if Holly Holm was there, other than the name value. But it was a, uh, it was a uh, kind of a, a kind of a dull finish to a card that everyone kind of expected to be dull. Uh, co-main event: Andre Arlovski, Carlos. Oh, yeah. one, one more thing. Yeah, go ahead. One, though. I'd like to see uh, Aspen land at one forty-five again because I mean we can't forget here. We're saying she didn't look great. I mean she might have been at a size disadvantage, but. She also passed out on the scale a few weeks ago. Yeah, so, very recently. I mean, yeah, that probably has a lot to do with the, you know, the not quite the uh, energy she needed in there, and and maybe power. So, I mean, I think if she took some time, get pretty solid for that division, and had a little layoff, get recovered, uh, we might see a different performance out of her. We'll see. Yeah, she definitely had like a lethargic look to her, which pretty consistent with maybe uh, putting a lot of stress on your body over the past couple of weeks. So, yeah, I think we're on to, you're on to something there. I guess she's probably healthy, probably won't be too long of a layoff after this one. Definitely not a couple of years or whatever it was. So we'll uh, we'll see how that turns out for her. Um, co-main event, Andre Arlovsky, Carlos Felipe. Got Andre Arlovsky. We're both on him here. This is just a uh, another textbook fight for him to win. He's almost like he's getting uh, kind of found his niche on how to beat some of these uh, gatekeeping go- gatekeeper guys. And uh, he takes his job as a gatekeeper very serious. Yeah, yeah, he does. Um, I mean, yeah, textbook here for Andre Arlovsky. Um, He just gets it done, man. Uh, I just kind of wonder, like, there's some guys, let's say, there's two two on this card especially, Andre Arlovsky and Jim Miller. Almost every other aging veteran, we see them throw them to the wolves and just let them get <laughs> destroyed until they cut them. But for some reason, they give Andre Arlovsky and Jim Miller matchups kind of consistently that they have a good chance of winning, you know, like, and other people get just demolished out there. They fed Jim Miller to the Wolves for a couple of years there. Yeah, yeah, they did. And I think since he stuck around and came back from the Lyme disease, now they've been just recently, I think they're giving him some easier fights here to get these records all stacked up. Um, <laughs> gives it a little bit more promotion on the car. That's a, that's a JLT conspiracy for you. Yeah, not, and not a bad one either. So let's just jump right into Jim Miller. Uh, did you have anything about the Felipe or the or the fight no, itself? Just a, just a solid win. I mean, I feel like that was pretty good odds on Andre Arlovsky there. Uh, he got into a few kind of close firefights when it got in close. Carlos, Carlos Felipe brought it to him a little bit, but uh, otherwise, he you know he was able to you know throw the leg kicks, throw the you know head kicks, just mix it up, blitz him when he wasn't expecting it, and just pretty good performance overall for him. Yeah, and another one in the books for I th- believe the I think he's the only fighter now that was uh, still fighting in the net from the '90s. So good win for Arlovsky. He's looking he's looking good. He's looking like he's taking care of himself. Always looks good. So uh, we'll probably see him again sometime this uh, this uh, next few months. 
Uh, Jim Miller, Eric Gonzalez. I don't know anything about Eric Gonzalez. Jim Miller was a huge favorite, minus 230. The only thing I'll say about this fight, I bet Jim Miller by sub, and I was feeling good about it. And uh, he decides to flatline a guy for the first time, and I don't know how long. So that bet I didn't win, but Jim Miller as a parlay piece was a uh, solid solid piece to have at the uh, kind of the top of the parlay. Yeah, I don't know much about Eric Gonzalez either, but has he ever sparred somebody who throws a left hand before? Or does he only spar one-armed fighter, one-armed right-handed fighters? Because uh, as soon as Jim Miller started throwing that left, he landed every single one. It was like, I think like around a minute into the... Uh, a minute left in the first round, he just started rocking him with it and then just came out early in the second round and just took him out, flatlined him. So, I mean, it was pretty impressive performance here for Jim Miller. Eric Gonzalez almost finished him in the uh, in the first round. Really vet- veteran move for Jim Miller, though. He he gets clipped, wobbled. He just lands on Eric Gonzalez, completes the takedown, gets top control, and then uh, the fight was all Jim Miller after that, honestly. It kind of woke him up, I feel like, and then uh, he kind of took over from there. Yeah, not to uh, dwell on my almost bets that I always dwell on, but did you see him think for a second about going for the sub after he dropped uh, Eric Gonzalez? I swear, possibly. I swear he looked at him like could take his back, or I could keep punching him, and he went for it to keep punching him. So, Jesus. Yeah, I'm gonna stop dwelling on the. I got, I get, I get as many. Uh, that's not true. I don't get as many lucky breaks as I get bad breaks, but um, I, uh, I'm gonna stop. I'm going to stop worrying about those. So uh, uh, next up, we had Faroe versus uh, Myra Buena Silva. This was another one. I think uh, Faroe was a large favorite, and uh, she uh, won that fight pretty easily as well. Um, she looks pretty good for a uh, for that division. Yeah, I mean, she won the fight easily, but it's not like Myra Buena Silva didn't have her moments. She she did. She was tough in there. A lot of these punches weren't really landing. Myra Buena Silva had a good guard up, and... Uh, um, she was deflecting a lot of that, a lot of those shots off the arms, really. Um, I don't think too many of them landed super flush. I mean, some of them did, but not as many as you might think. Um, overall, the man in Fiora is pretty solid prospect, it seems like right now. I mean, she is not as big as I thought she was. Um, I, I thought she was an absolute monster when we saw her against Tabitha Reese, but uh, <laughs> that's not the case. She's just a normal sized 135 or whatever she fights at. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, she throwed threw a ton of volume. That's what won her this fight. She was constantly throwing. She didn't get tired whatsoever. She has a crazy gas tank. She was, you know, just maybe throwing more toward in the third round than she was in the first. So, yeah, I'm excited to see where uh, where things go for her. Yeah, so to this point, we've gotten every single pick right, which is uh, which is good for us. But th- then we'll move on to uh, Danny Roberts, Ramazan Ameev. This was the only one I got wrong. It destroyed all my parlays early on. I had Ramazan Amiv on pretty much everything. Um, this one went to that's decision. When re- that's when you reload, Alex. If you lose an early <laughs> one, you just fire them all up again. I know, I know, I know. But I was, uh, I was. This is when I, where I got one of my, uh, my the last the the last last time I'll talk about a bad bounce. This was a split decision, right? Yeah, I believe so. It was close. It was close. Of course, I thought uh, Ramazan Amiv won, but. Um, Danny Roberts surprised me. I guess I don't know. I I guess I was quick to auto, auto fade him because of his past performances, but it's not like he doesn't have some tools in his toolbox. Yeah, well, he's just known for being incredibly chinny. He did take two years off. I guess his last fight was in 2019. Sometimes guys with weak chins, a two year break does wonders for them, and they come back. And uh, 
although he did kind of get a little wobbled, it seemed like a few times, but uh, overall it held up. Um, you know, honestly, I think if you go off striking, I think Ramazan Amiv won this fight, but the problem is Ramazan Amiv is the reason why he lost this fight. I mean, he just doesn't take control in there. If he just tried to control the fight just a little bit, he'd win this fight by decision. But instead, you got Danny Roberts going forward the whole time. Looks like he's doing more, even though Ramazan Amiv is just uh, kind of lackadaisically doing more, actually. But in everybody's eyes, it looks like Danny Roberts kind of winning the fight. So, um, yeah, I think this is Amiv's fault completely for losing this fight. He's always fights like that. He just kind of seems like he's just a walk in the park in there. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it could be a, it's kind of a good thing to not get sucked into the hype too much, but you also have to play the game a little bit. You got to try and look like you're trying to win out there. So, um, but yeah, I'm honestly, I was impressed by Danny Roberts, mostly his ability to create scrambles and, and be able to get up from the takedowns and get up from the ground. So, um, he was pretty solid in the clinch. Also, Ramazan Amiv, there were so many opportunities I felt like in the clinch for trips and getting Danny, Danny Roberts onto the ground, and he didn't do anything. He just stayed in that clinch. He kind of let Danny Roberts hang with him there. And, uh, yeah, Danny Roberts, you know, won the fight, and uh, I can't really argue it. It was really close. Um, but, I, I mean, I think Danny Roberts won because he, he wanted to win. He was going out there. He was, you know, kind of throwing caution to the wind a little bit. He was trying to throw big flurries, big combinations, and uh, that's what the judges saw, and that's why they gave him the fight. Yeah, and fair enough, that's kind of how it goes. If it's close enough, you can't really complain one way or the other, and that's pretty much what we had there. So, uh, Danny Rob, two the two biggest uh, underdogs on the card, both one, Danny Roberts and uh, Nate Landwehr. So that's a wild, a wild stat for uh, pretty much it's been all favorites for a while now. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's been mostly mostly favorites. We had some underdogs here. I guess we had some underdogs last week, right? In the main event, we had um, yeah, we had um, Marina Rodriguez was our was our last good underdog pick that we had. Um, I think there was one other underdog we had. It was the other chick fight. I think last week it was. Uh, let me see. I guess. I guess Dumont uh, was an underdog Maria, too. Oh, Maria Agapova was an underdog. Yeah, so we've been and Dumont. We've been doing pretty good. I did not pick Landwehr or Danny Roberts, but it's pretty insane that they uh, they were both plus three hundred or so, whatever it was. But yeah, I didn't pick I didn't pick that Landwehr fight, but I kind of had a sneaky feeling he had a chance. But uh, it wasn't one we gave, so. Yeah, we can't take credit for it, but just future notice, like just make a little note, Nate Landwehr is always live. And if, he's like Darren Elkins. They're like the same guy. Yeah, yeah They're like exactly. born to take damage and possibly ups, may have upset wins and also sometimes get their heads taken clean off their shoulders. But otherwise, they're always game to fight. So, anyhow, any other any last closing thoughts before we uh, we close the book on UFC Fight Night Las Vegas thirty nine or whatever this was fairly yeah, forgettable. I feel like that's like that's like five fight nights down, one more to go, and then we're uh, we got the two cards we've been waiting for. So, yeah, and this one uh, it does improve pretty drastically. Um, not the greatest ever, not the best we've ever had, but it does improve. Uh, pretty significantly, but we'll jump into our segments first before we get into our preview. I'll start things off today with my Isn't He Awesome and my uh, call out. I got uh, two Isn't He Awesomes, two shout outs today. First of all, shout out to uh, Junior Dos Santos. You won't hear me hyping up wrestling very often, but good to see JDS. I mean, you talk about uh, you, uh, the UFC 
throwing some of their veterans to the wolves. I don't know if anybody had a worse run to close out their career than Junior Dos Santos. He had to fight uh, Ciro Gan, Derek Lewis, Francis Ngano. I don't even know. I mean, it was just they just got him killed, and uh, Ben just cut him unceremoniously. And uh, looks like he's found a place though at uh, um, what is the uh, wrestling one he's in AEW maybe. Uh, it's it's growing. It's getting pretty big. It's uh it's doing pretty well. So it was good to see him um, make a transition into uh, pro wrestling, which obviously I'm not a huge fan of. It looks like some of those uh, American Top Team guys are somehow affiliated. Like Masvidal is always there with them. That uh, the head guy Dan Lambert's always there. So good to see him there and just not getting his head taken off and not getting his uh, getting his ass kicked like we saw him kind of uh, finish out his career. Second shout out. Uh, Conor McGregor back in the news, back misbehaving. But uh, let's be honest here, we've uh, we've uh, condemned some of his recent behavior, but punching Machine Gun Kelly and then punching a a, 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 a house DJ or whatever, not the worst thing in the world. I think if you were going to pick any genre of music people to punch, you'd probably choose, a, a, you know, a club DJs probably. You know, they probably had something to have it coming. So it sounds like he... Uh, unprovoked attacked a uh, dj that thought he was friends with him in italy and uh no one really knows what happened there says he broke his nose but i don't know there's got to be more to the story here so i think maybe the dj might have uh played dustin's walkout music or something and got uh triggered connor just snapped like a pit bull and uh took him out quickly so i mean as long as he's punching machine gun kelly club djs any of the likes of that i'm not going to complain about it i may even give him a Give him some props for that. Yeah, let's look at it this way. If you're if you're a club DJ and you're not DJing at Excess or uh, uh, what I don't know any of those big Vegas Hakkasan. clubs, yeah, Hakkasan or the one at uh, Caesars or whatever. If you're not a if you're a club DJ and you're one of those guys, great. You're you're just the man, you know. But if you're a club DJ and you're just playing at a, a club on Mill or something, I feel like these are the douchiest guys in the world. They think. <laughs> they're playing excess but they're playing uh mill avenue or something or in tempe here or you know they and they just think they're the coolest dude in the room probably bang a few sluts a night and uh, just you know think they're hot shit and probably most of them deserve to get punched in the face so yeah so if, if anybody deserves to be knocked down a couple not he's, he's there's the reality he's going to be punching somebody so we have to choose wisely who's going to be taking the punches right yeah, this guy, he just can't get enough of it, I guess. <laughs> so the, so there we go. I mean, he at least he's picking his targets a little better than, uh, than say, old guys in bars and uh, whatever, whoever else he's taking cuts at in, this, in these past few years. And it's like, isn't he awesome? He just, he just <laughs> wants to fight everywhere. I mean, you can't, you can't keep this guy in the cage. He just takes it anywhere, anywhere he goes. He, he's, always, he's always down to fight. He said he wanted to fight an Italian in Rome. Can you believe this guy? <laughs> the coolest guy in the club the dj yeah so there you go so i'm giving him a little shout out uh move on to my call out though i got a kind of a uh, um uh situational call out here i got colby covington and brett okamoto we got a colby covington fight coming up it's not the next pay-per-view i don't believe i think it's the one after so it's coming up in three weeks roughly um they're starting to do this media cycle thing again where 
And I, I have nothing against Colby as a fighter. I don't even care about his character, but I hate when they talk about how he reinvented himself and how, what, how like it's doing this, like doing wonders for, he's still not really a draw and he's, his, he's still not all that popular. He, he has like 700,000 Instagram followers. Is it all worth it for what he does? The amount of work he puts into his stupid characters and do they really have to bring it up every time like he's some smashing success story? They talk about him, compare him, compare him. I don't know if Brett Okamoto does. I heard other people comparing him to like Jake Paul. Like the more people you get to hate you, the more money you make. But do you think that this has really paid off that much for Colby Covington? I think the uh, story of him getting cut off a win has pretty much been debunked. He wasn't really going to get cut. Once you're at the top, I mean, maybe, maybe I don't know. I don't know how much the bump he's gotten from his uh from his full his complete idiot character that is occasionally entertaining um if it's worth the amount of work and effort and pressure he puts on himself but either way i just there's no reason for like these journalists to just do this same story every single time he fights it's just uh it's just an old story and it's just nonsense at this point and i just don't know why they they talk about it like it's this huge success story, and I just think that's a huge waste of time. Yeah, yeah, I 100% agreed. I mean, let's be honest. It, it gave him a little bump, but it's nothing's worth it, that much effort putting <laughs> into it, putting something into it. I mean, putting that much effort into your fight career, yeah, that's worth it. Putting so much effort into being this heel character that's completely played out and old and tacky at this point and everybody knows is just a straight you know gimmick heel move like it it's just it's over like it it's over donald trump's not an office anymore <laughs> drop the make america great shit like just start cage fighting like you're supposed to um you know that's that's how i feel about it honestly yeah and his talent can't be denied he's at the top like it, the character's not helping him get this fight with usman the the fight's already done like he's the number one contender he had a great fight with Usman. Usman beat everybody else. Colby won a couple fights. It's time for them to fight again. It was, the first fight was a great fight, so it's going to happen. Like it, And even if he wants to do the character, the heel, the wrestling thing, they don't have to bring it up over and like it's such a cheap, like as such a cheap clip. Like a maybe it gets some views. I I just don't think it pops like you think it pops. I don't think he has gained fans since he became the chaos character. I just think it's a waste of time. And uh, this is like the fourth or fifth fight in a row where we got to hear about how he reinvented himself to uh, start his run here. And uh, without this character, he would have never been where he's at now. And it's just I, the, the third or fourth or fifth time or through it, I'm just tired of hearing it. Yeah, honestly, if I was his agent, I'd tell him the move now is to drop drop them drop the character just drop it i think it would do wonders for his career i mean you drop the character now just say listen i fooled you all all you <laughs> mma journalists are fucking idiots i'm obviously it was a complete character saw how i was before he saw how i am now uh, you know he, he's where he needs to be so he's already there it's not going away so just drop it and and fight and get wins and uh and you know it'll be as big as ever yeah, and that's that's kind of what I would that's kind of what what uh, would be nice to see too. And I mean, he's got a shot in this fight. Uh, well, I mean, it's a couple weeks away. I think Kamar Usman has improved more so than Colby's improved in the, since they fought the first time. But the first fight was extremely competitive, and uh, anything can happen. And I'm not 
I have nothing against the way he fights or his fighting style or any of that. It's just it's just a tired play. I mean, even even wrestlers reinvent themselves after a certain amount of time. Yeah, 100%. All right, so what do you got this week? Uh, all right, we'll do two as the Oscar real quickly. First one, Jim Miller. Got to give him props, as we talked about. He's setting all types of UFC records. I heard he wants to fight at UFC 300, be the only fighter that fought at UFC 100, 200, and 300. Wow. Um, I think they said that's like... 300 would be about 2025, so he's got a few <laughs> more years if he can make it there. That'd be tough. Um, but that that would be pretty dope. But uh, that's all I really have to say about him going to the real Isn't He Awesome this week is Ariel Hawani. I mean, I know he's usually a hated character on this show, um, but we got to give credit where credit's due here. Um, he has just completely dismantled Brendan Schaub over the last month. Every single week he gets on his podcast and just destroys Schaub further and further and further into the abyss of nothingness and Schaub gets on his show and has just these stupid comebacks that are just like it's just laughable and then Ariel Hawani comes on his show the next day and just completely destroys Brendan Schaub it's like I can't believe he still has things to go at Schaub about but he keeps pulling out more and more stuff he keeps just completely destroying him and it's just absolutely hilarious to watch yeah, I want to say Shab just recently said like no, none of him nor any of his people will be uh, talking about Ariel any any or t- saying back like you know kind of like going back and forth with Ariel anymore because Shab had some goons like some low level foot soldiers that are just like latching onto uh, Shab's coattails that are, like maybe are affiliated with his podcast one of one of his twenty podcasts that uh, were like going back and forth with Ariel but. He said he's no longer going to engage. So if anybody's going at Ariel, it won't be him or his guy, or his goons. So Yeah, and honestly, it was his only move at this point. <laughs> I mean, he could not take another week of absolute beating from Ariel Hawani. Um, Hilwani, he, I think he goes by now. So it was by far the best move for Shaw to just put his fucking tail between his legs and uh, shut the hell up and uh, never mention Ariel Hawani's name again. Yeah, I mean it's hard to compete with a guy on that when your worst as your worst I guess you'd say like your worst your worst uh asset or your worst uh trait is your ability to talk and Ariel that's all he does is talk. So he was kind of outmatched from the beginning. So he Shaw would show up with like one joke and Ariel would show up with like a fifteen minute monologue that he clearly had run by several people and um you know, like worked it worked it out a few times in the mirror and made sure everything was going to hit, and then you just eviscerate him every Monday morning. Yeah, I just wish Shab would keep it going because uh, Hawani has. He said he's got some personal stuff he could go to if uh, if Shab wants to keep it going. So Shab, uh, it, I guess that's what uh, the latest rant by Hawani is. What uh, what kind of uh, made him drop the whole thing? <laughs> Yeah, he was pretty much beat into a corner. He had no, he had nothing left to go with. Um, yeah, and credit to Ariel Hawani for like getting out of ESPN and then like his show and everything is just way better now. He's like they're allowed to swear on his show. It's just like the interviews are a little better. Everything's a little better. He's still up to his old tricks. He's still gonna cause some trouble, but at least we're kind of getting like some inside stuff because he's not like. He's not trying to protect his job or himself anymore, so he's he's airing everything out. He's like a he's like the the gossiper. So you kind of get more. Uh, he's letting it all fly though. So we're all 
we're all benefiting from his uh his years of kind of finding his niche of uh kind of being a pot stirrer and whatever else he's uh, learned over the years oh yeah he's still holding some stuff back but one day i feel like he's gonna let it all air out like uh kind of on the rant last right podcast he did a ranting on Shaw be kind of someone asked him about um Brad Akimoto and he's said you know they kind of got beef but he's not going to go into it now but maybe one day he will so I think he's got he's got some stories to tell and it seems like one day we're going to get him but not quite yet yeah he's uh he's back where he started and he's uh building his rebuilding his brand better than ever exactly so we'll move on to our call out here Corey Anderson I don't know if you've seen anything about Corey Anderson lately but uh I'm going to have to go in on him for a minute here, so listen up. Corey Anderson, I know you're riding high after putting together a three-fight win streak at the uh, C-rate promotion of Bellator, but claiming you're currently the best light heavyweight in the world is absolutely outrageous and delusional. First off, until John Jones fights at heavyweight, he's still a light heavyweight in my book, and uh, for argument's sake, let's take John Jones out of the equation. Your last fight in the UFC was less than two years ago, and it, he lost to the current light heavyweight champion, Jan Blachowicz of the UFC. So, And he lost by knockout. So I get it. This guy's always been a guy to overrate his abilities, and you know I respect his confidence, but uh, let's stay in reality here. He's a decent journeyman. Um, he's just making himself look dumb, and we're all having a, having a laugh at your expense, buddy. <laughs> Not only does he have losses to quite a few people in uh in the UFC, um, the Bellator champion, what's his name? Um, and he's a good fighter. He's he's definitely a really good light heavyweight. He has or whatever. Yeah, he has a loss to Yuri Prozeka. So they got a they don't exactly have like the best resume to be saying that they. It's also uh, the Bellator president Scott Coker saying that. Whoever wins this lightweight Grand Prix is, in his eyes, the best lightweight light heavyweight on the planet, despite the fact that they don't really match up very good head-to-head against uh, UFC light heavyweights, which is a weaker division. But I guess it's hard to say it's weaker when you got Jan Bohovic, who's been kind of reinvented and beat Corey Anderson, and then you got Jerry Prezeka, who already beat uh, Ninka, Ninkamov, or whatever his name is. Uh, so... Yeah, it's not probably the best place to go head-to-head. Yeah, Corey Anderson got knocked out by John Volante, so let's just leave it at that. That was when John Volante was a different, <laughs> a whole different shape, though. Yeah, but still John <laughs> Volante. That's true. He's good, for one, he's good for one good punch a fight, though. Oh, yeah. And if your chin is a little suspect, as Corey Anderson's as it always has been, then a uh, perfect candidate to get knocked out by uh, John the Heartbreaker Volante. Yeah, so I guess the call is a little bit on Scott Coker, too, as you mentioned. He's fil- he's probably gassing Corey Anderson up with all that talk about this being the best light heavyweight on the planet. But, I mean, he's got to say that, right? I mean, he's the he's the president of Bellator. Of course, he's going to try and say stuff like that. It's obviously not true. And, uh, you know, I think if they ever did, they're never going to, but if they ever did a UFC versus Bellator card, I'm pretty sure UFC would just be a clean sweep pretty much. Yeah, I used to think uh, D- D- Douglas Lima would have a good shot at 170, not against Kamara Usman, but against quite a few guys. But he got beat by Michael Venom Page, so uh, who would do okay in the UFC? But I, it's not like he'd be anywhere near. I mean, the things Usman would do to Michael Venom Page would not even be funny. So no, 
so destroy him. So I wonder if uh, Douglas Lima kind of just I don't know if he's 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 had kind of an up and down career. I wonder what, where his motivation is. At one time he looked like he could be a real serious threat in the UFC, but again they don't they don't stack up quite the same. And uh, who do you think's get? Do you think part of signing their contract is like by the way? You have to go on every media platform and say you're making this much more money now than the UFC ever paid you. Yeah, it must be. I don't know. I mean, I, I still kind of... How many fights did... Let's see how many fights he had. Corey Anderson had in the UFC. So, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And maybe eight, I misheard nine, this, but... 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21... 22. Holy cow, he was there long. Oh, no, that's the wrong person. I'm on a, the wrong Wikipedia. Oh, man, I was uh, going to say, I thought he, he, I want to say he said he made more money in one belt, this last Bellator fight than his whole UFC career. That could be wrong. I think that's what he said, though. Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen. 15, 15 UFC fights. So I don't think there's any way possible in three Bellator fights or even in, in one Bellator fight or even all three that he made more money than he made in 15 UFC fights. Let's see. And they, they, they all say this. They, every time somebody signs, switches over and signs with a lower promotion, they all claim that they're making so much more with their new promotion. Yeah, I mean, even if he made fifty thousand per fight for fifteen fights, that's seven hundred and fifty thousand. Um, think he's making that in three Bellator fights? <laughs> he shouldn't be if, if their Bellator's business model is not, uh, not, uh, not the not the most uh, well spent money I've ever heard of. No, he's definitely not making seven hundred fifty thousand a fight. <laughs> There's no fucking way. Yeah, that's insanity. Although, Even if he brought that down to five hundred thousand, say he made less at the beginning, like that, he's still not making five hundred thousand a fight. Yeah, and you know what? While we're calling out Scott Coker and Corey Anderson, let's just call out Bellator altogether. I got one more to tack on. They're bringing Fedor back to fight again. Yeah, it reeks of being <laughs> just completely desperate for viewers. Nobody watches. Who? Nobody. Who? Who wants to see Fedor fight again? Anytime he gets touched, he drops. I mean. And it's understandable. He's like 40-something years old. He's out of shape. He's working for Vladimir Putin. Like, he doesn't have time for this. No, I'm surprised Putin still lets him fight and go get his ass kicked out there. Yeah, and I talk about, like, a, a fight that shouldn't be happening. Fedor should not be fighting anymore. He gets touched. It's whoever touched... I don't remember who he was fighting, but it was like, as soon as they touched each other at the same time, not even neither guy even connected, and they both dropped... Matt Mitrione. Yeah, it was Mitrione. That's what it was. Yeah, who won that fight? Did Mitrione. Yeah. Yeah, and he's got no chin either, so. Yeah. So, anyhow, basically just a whole Bellator call-out, so. Um, that was their best card they put together in a long time. Credit to them for that, but. Um, yeah, beating up uh, Ryan Bader in a minute or whatever. Ryan Bader has no chin either, so. We're basically just looking at what did DC say. I wanted Ryan Bader because he's the easiest fight in the division. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. So, all right, then. Any, anyone else to call out or anything else to call out here? Nah, I think that's it for me this week. 
after we've thoroughly gone after uh, off after Bellator there for a minute. All right, then we can move on to our preview. Then we got a uh, one last fight night. We got UFC Fight Night Costa versus Vittori. Um, pretty good name value here at the very top of the card. Obviously, it falls off a little bit like all the uh, all the fight nights do, but they uh, they threw us a, a pretty premier matchup here at the top. We got Marvin Vittori minus one fifty, Paulo Costa plus one thirty. One thing I do not like about this fight, the buildup. Paulo Costa has been extremely quiet. It's one of the best things about a Costa fight card is he's usually all over during the buildup, and uh, I usually think he does a really good job with that. I don't know if he's intentionally as funny as he is, but either way, he's like by far one of the funniest guys in the uh, in the UFC. And I we have not heard much from him, so maybe he's more focused. I don't know. Coming in as an underdog, coming in off a loss, um, tough fight here. Um, but yeah, two guys that uh, that are have both lost the champ and uh, trying to climb their way back. So who do you got in this fight, and uh, how do you see it going? This is a this is a tough one for me, honestly. I've kind of been going back and forth on this one in my head, but uh, you know, I think these are. I think we got two of the most overrated fighters recently, at least in the uh, one eighty five division. Um, I mean, you look at Paulo Costa. Yeah, it was a good win versus Yoel Romero, right? Um, but we're talking to Yoel Romero who doesn't wrestle anymore. He, at that point, at least he. Um, you know, he just kind of throws down, um, and he's somebody where Paulo Costa was able to uh, just take it to him and just get a little bit better of him, although I thought Yoel Romero won that fight. But it was a close fight. He got the win. Um, before that, this this were his wins in the UFC. Uriah Hall, Johnny Hendricks, uh, Aluabangbuze, and uh, Gareth McLennan. Those are his UFC fights. So, And then he gets absolutely dismantled versus Israel Adesanya. Um and then we're talking about Marvin Vittori. Everybody thinks he had this amazing run. His wins were Kevin Holland before the Israel Adesanya fight were Kevin Holland, Jack Hermanson, Carl Roberson, Andrew Sanchez, and uh, Cesar Fiera. So, I mean, we don't have a huge resume here either. Um, when it comes down to it, this is all about is Paulo Costa going to be able to stop Marvin Vittori's um, takedowns and clinch, clinches against the cage. So, I mean, Marvin Vittori, if he's going to win this fight, he... He's gonna do. He's gonna try to do again what he tried to do to Israel Adesanya and wasn't able to. Right. So Israel Adesanya was just able to avoid it, stop the takedowns, um, get distance, and just kind of pick him apart. Paulo Costa. He's not really gonna be able to do that. Paulo Costa doesn't really have a huge reach, so he's gonna have to get in a little bit tighter to knock out Vittori. Um, it's just I, is Paulo Costa gonna be able to stay, t- stop that takedown? If he do, is able to stop that takedown. I think he could win this fight. He could find a shot, knock out Marvin Vittori, but I think he's got to win by knockout here. I think if we see this fight go to decision, I think it's going to be all Marvin Vittori. Um, I don't think Vittori's going to get KO'd by Costa here. It could happen, but I don't think so. So I think I'm going to have to go with Marvin Vittori here. Uh, probably win a uh, a decision here in the main event. Yeah, it's hard to argue with that, that, uh, that breakdown there because I'm with you. I do as much credit as Costa gets for being a power puncher, he really does not have any one punch knockouts or really, he doesn't even really hurt that many guys with one punch. He's more of a kind of a pressure guy that can put it on you. Um, and he's got to get inside and make it a brawl. Like yeah. that's how he wins. It's not like he, he's not some gifted striker by any means. It's not like he has elite striking. He just, he gets in there, he makes it a brawl and that's how he gets his wins. 
I don't I don't think Marvin Vittori is gonna let him implement that game plan and for that reason I just think you gotta go Vittori here yeah and again I'm 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 kind of in the middle on this one too as well because I do think Vittori is a pretty sloppy striker and he's definitely a sloppy wrestler um I mean mauling Kevin Holland we know that that doesn't really amount to much now um and I mean from what we've seen everywhere that's basically the blueprint on how to beat Kevin Holland um her, the Hermanson fight going back to that that was the best win that either of them have had and uh round four round five I think it was Hermanson actually came back and uh Hermanson's not a great stand-up fighter if that's Paulo Costa in there in some of those exchanges they go completely differently whether he can take it to that point or not is where I'm kind of uh I'm kind of stuck on what I uh what what I how I think it goes down I easily could t- could still take Costa in this fight um, I want Costa to win. If you're talking about personalities, it's no no brainer. Like Vittori is unbearable to listen to or ha- have anything to do with. And Costa's hilarious and want to see more of him. So um, basically, I hope Costa wins, but uh, I'm kind of in the middle here. I don't want to officially go on Marvin Vittori. I still could switch my change my mind, but definitely an interesting matchup here. And. Uh, I was hoping for more uh, more trash talk in the buildup because Vittori's so easy to rile up. I think Adesanya did a good job um, basically screwing with him. But um, Costa, it seems like maybe he's uh, maybe he's just trying to uh, take this one serious. Another thing, Vittori's been way more active. That's another thing that I had in my notes that does seem to play a role. A lot of times we see these guys get their first loss, and then you might see them take their second loss, right? The loss has almost come in multiples before – I mean, Myron Vittori's already taken his loss and he's already back, uh, bounced back. So, um, yeah, I don't know where I'm at on this one. Basically, just talking in circles to say that I don't want to pick against Costa, but I, uh, at the moment, I am leaning towards the favorite, Marvin Vittori. Yeah, I think I'm, uh, I, I gotta be on Marvin Vittori here. And uh, I just looked it up Marvin Vittori by decisions plus 200. So, I think that's how probably how he gets it done. It is five rounds, though. We'll see. I don't know if Costa can go that long. So, I guess he could get like a ground and pound victory, um, win by TKO or something. That let's see what that is. That's uh, Marvin Vittori by knockout four plus four twenty. So wow, I mean, might sprinkle a little bit on that. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of possibilities. Costa does he has had issues with cardio, and then he just basically steamrolled everybody in the UFC. So we didn't really ever get to see what he looked like uh in the past three rounds um i think he he, he did pretty good in three rounds with against yoel and that was a pretty high-paced fight so maybe uh maybe it's not something to worry about one thing to keep an eye on though this is a new paul costa we're coming into the octagon he has had hair transplant surgery this is a totally new guy i know i said his confidence may be shaky because of his uh embarrassing loss out of sanya but the guy got his hair back so you can't really beat top that as far as confidence yeah, goes that's true that so, is true. Maybe the odds are not reflecting that quite yet, and that might be a uh, a little insider tip, I guess, depending on where you want to lean. So, anyhow, move on from that one to our uh, – is this the co-main event? No, no. All right, so a little further down the card. Uh, Jessica Rose Clark versus Jocelyn Edwards. Got Jessica Rose Clark minus 145, Jocelyn Edwards plus 125. I did see in your notes here um, – well, I'll just let you get to it here. What's your uh, take on this fight? Yeah, we got uh, Jessica Rose Clark by decision here. Yep. 
I think it's a, it's a no-brainer, honestly. I agree. Um, Jessica Rose Clark, I mean, we're going to see her implement her game plan. She's going to get this fight up against the cage. She's going to try and get it to the ground. She's going to get in the clinch. And I think she's going to be able to kind of overpower Jocelyn Edwards. Jocelyn Edwards is going to need to keep distance and just fight a perfect fight, uh, just kind of picking uh, Jessica Rose Clark apart from the outside. If she's not able to do that, if Jessica Rose Clark is able to close distance, get this in the clinch, get it up against the cage, I mean, it's a solid path to victory for her. I, I foresee that being the way the fight goes. And, uh, yeah, I think it's def- 100% to go to decision. Um, you don't got anyone here that's going to be – really in any danger of ending the fight at any point in time. Uh, it could happen. I just don't think it'll be very likely. And uh, let's see what we got submission-wise, or not submission-wise, what am I talking about? By Clark by decision. Clark by decision is plus 130. You're not getting crazy odds on it. She thinks she's minus 150 to win. So, But, I mean, if she's going to win, that's how it's going to happen. So plus 130, could get a little bit extra underdog money. And, yeah, that's the way to go, I think. Get some plus money on it. I am with you 100%. I can't uh, can't add anything to that that you didn't already say. So uh, I think that's a pretty much the perfect analysis there. That's a that's a uh, that's the one that I had the exact same thought on. Uh, Alex Bruce Lee Caceres versus uh, Choi Su Wu, Choi Sung Wu, or Sung Wu Choi. Sorry, um, Caceres plus plus 240. Choi minus 280. I feel like. Not to not to uh, jump in too quick, but I feel like these these are the fights that uh, Bruce Leroy generally loses. Um, he is also on a run here, so I could see him getting uh, getting some love from the public, maybe because he's had some good fights recently. But um, these are the fights that I feel like he loses. People forget that this is a guy that's kind of a fifty fifty fighter when he's uh, when he's doing his thing, and uh, I think this is one. Well, this is one where. Uh, where he gets beat. Yeah, 100% agree. I mean, I think this uh, um, Sung Woo Choi, I think he's he seems to be the real deal so far. Um, I mean, he does have, he did have a loss to uh, Evil Ev and Gavin Tucker, but since then he's been on a pretty good run beating Suman Makhtarian. I'm not sure who that is, but Yusef Salal and Julian Arosa are his recent wins. Um, he flatlined Julian Arosa in his last fight. Um, looks like he brings some serious power and... Uh, yeah, I think he's going to get the W here, and uh, yeah, I think this is just Bruce Leroy. He's, you know, he's on a run. He's a solid fighter. He's just, you know, stereotypical journeyman. He gets gets some wins, but he loses fights when guys are just, you know, more elite than him, and I think this is a fight where it's kind of a stepping stone. I mean, Bruce Leroy, right, he's the stepping stone or he's the gatekeeper, so I think, you know, he's the stepping stone in this fight, unfortunately for him. Yeah, and just really quickly, here's his run, though. Kevin Kroom turned out to be terrible. Um, Austin Springer, also extremely terrible, possibly the mm-hmm. worst showing in UFC history. I don't know. This guy, Austin Springer, has a win over Giga Chikatsi in the Contender Series. It must have been when Giga was just transitioning into MMA. But the guy retired after this fight. After his fight, it was such a. It was the worst performance I've ever seen. And then Steven Peterson, who was cut after I think he lost to uh, Chase Hooper, and then Chase Hooper was his win where he was able to expose Chase Hooper. So he is on a run, but it's not exactly the run you would uh, really want to uh, ha- put too much weight behind. All right, uh, Francis- Francisco Trinaldo versus Dwight Grant. Francisco Trinaldo minus 127, Dwight Grant plus 107. Francisco Trinaldo is your guy, so I'm going to let you take it away from here. Yeah, I mean, 
one of these days the wheels are going to fall off Francisco Trinaldo, but uh, I'm hoping it's not this weekend. Uh, we're going Trinaldo here. Um, I think he got, has what it takes to get it done. I mean, the guy, he just keeps coming. He's just uh, he's a zombie out there. He just, uh, you know, he walks forward. He puts the pressure on. He's good everywhere. He surprises you. And, uh, yeah, I think he's going to be able to uh, to beat Dwight Grant in this situation. I think he's going to knock him out most likely. Yeah, I mean, for I've I've made this joke before. Last every time Francisco Trinaldo turns up, but for as old as he actually is, he looks like he's about 15 years older than that. Yeah, the dude, the dude wears it. He wears it. He's he's getting up there, and he he really is getting old. So I mean, it's gonna be a tough fight. I mean, Dwight Grant, he's not a not a bum by any means, but you know, Trinaldo, he's just we got a lot of gatekeepers recently fighting, and Trinaldo's one of them, and. Uh, He's about as good as it gets and about as uh, underrated as they get. You know, you don't really hear much about this guy, but uh, he's just been getting it done for, for quite some time now. Yeah, and he's always a tough fight, win or lose. So either way, it'll be close. Um, so, yeah, uh, uh, here we go. Kama Worthy versus Jai Herbert. We got Jai Herbert minus 180, Kama Worthy plus 158. Uh, we talked about this one a little bit before we started recording. To me, this is two guys in similar situations where if one guy lands a good shot, they could go out, and if any, if either guy gets a good shot landed on them, they could go out. So uh, Jai Herbert's looked pretty good in the stand-up. Um, Kama Worthy's kind of a mixed bag on sometimes he'll pull. I think he pulled off two of the biggest upsets of the year a couple of years ago, and then he also couldn't get clipped in the first 30 seconds. Uh, where's your lean on this one now? Yeah, I think we're going Jai Herbert here. This is honestly just a coin flip. I wouldn't put it on any parlays or anything like that. But if you want to, you know, put some action on this one, bet either guy by knockout is what I would say. Uh, and it could happen. I mean, if I had more confidence in Kama Worthy, I mean, really, um, Renato Moicano in his last fight, Renato Moicano, he really wrote the book on how to beat Jai Herbert. This guy can't get up once he's tired, really. He just, when he's early in the fight and he has, you know, has gas left in the tank he can get up but once that gas is gone he really has no uh technique to get back to his feet so if i was confident that karma were that you could take him karma where they could take him down and uh just have top pressure and keep him on the ground i'd, I'd go karma worthy unfortunately i'm not really sure he can get it there you know all these fights start on the feet and i'm not sure he can get it there consistently for three rounds um so i think this is going to be a stand-up battle for the most part um and you know every round starts on the feed and I think Jai Herbert he's you know he's got power and he's got the length here so I think that's the big thing the guy has freakishly long arms and he's got power he you know stung McConnell a little bit a few times but uh McConnell's able to get him down but uh yeah I think Jai Herbert's going to be able to knock out Kama Worthy this guy's got a completely glass chin and uh if that doesn't happen Kama Worthy can throw bombs at any time too so he can knock out Jai Herbert Jai Herbert doesn't have the best chin either but I think if he's able to keep the distance here, he's going to, you know, be able to hit Kama Worthy before he's able to hit him. And as long as he's able to hit him first, he should take him out, right? That's uh, that's pretty much my thoughts on it too. So um, we'll see how that one goes. Uh, we got Leva Renata Souza versus Randa Marcos. Uh, Marcos plus 105. Souza minus 125. Trying to remember the last time Marie saw Randa Marcos. Um it's been a little while, but it seems like she fights. She's been pretty active since she's been in the UFC for a long time now. Uh, what what are you thinking for this one? Yeah, this one. 
I don't know. I think I'm just going to go with uh, Random Marcos here. I think her job's on the line. She was uh, had an incredible streak of win-losses going. Yeah. Um, and since she broke that, she's dropped four in a row. Whoa. So, um, or she, since she broke it, she's lost three in a row, but she is on a four fight losing streak. You know, I think she has to get the, uh, the win here. Um, she's won me a lot of money as a, as an underdog in the past. I think Angela Hill, she's a big underdog against, she won that fight. I mean, she's just, she's a dog. She goes out there, she goes for the takedowns. She, uh, you know, gets it done in tough spots, but, uh, it, it's not a guarantee this one could go either way, honestly. But, uh, yeah, I think I'd just go around to Marcos here. All right, then. So uh, anyone else on this card here that st- sticks out or anyone you uh, end up parlays? Or... versus uh, Rick Glenn fight should be interesting. It's the co-main. Um, yeah. I don't really have a lean either way on it, though, bet-wise. But uh should be a fight to watch out for. Um, other than that, not a ton. We don't have a ton. We got Tabitha Reese, hopefully, yeah, in straw weight. So should, should be look a little bit like, uh, <laughs> more, a little more normal, normal sized opponent. Big yeah, favor so. for her too. They must've, uh, they're kind of giving her, doing a favor for her since she, uh, stepped in and, uh, fought for him, whatever, a couple months back. Yeah. And honestly, if she was the same size, man, if you're, I think she could have a chance in that fight she she looked good at times i mean she ended up getting her ass kicked but at the beginning she had her moments so <laughs> yeah um yeah i think she should get the win here obviously she's a pretty big favorite but other than that there's not a not a ton to go from on this card here yeah another another tough one where it's just hard to uh it's kind of hard to pick your spots i think i definitely think you laid out a few really good ones um in the preview there and otherwise Otherwise, it's tough to uh, really run on anything. I and mean, you got guys like Ike Villanueva. You just cannot trust guys like that. There's no reason to even really try to break down a fight for him because you never know. I mean, guys like that are just so unpredictable and so inconsistent that they're never safe. I mean, they're never safe. They're coin flips. So I think you uh, picked out some good ones there to uh, to build off of. Yeah, hopefully. I hope we get the clean sweep this week. We've been losing one fight for, I think, I know. Like three or four cards in a row now. So. It'd be nice to to hit them all. Yeah, we've had overall our picks have been been a solid run. I mean, it, we're over a month into a pretty solid run, so there's nothing to complain about. Like I said, I'm not going to complain about. Uh, I get good breaks occasionally, and I get bad breaks all the time. But I'm just going to go with the good ones and not worry about the bad ones. But we've had a we've had a solid run, so I can't complain too much. Yeah, you can't be like Terry. So Terry, I feel like he attracts bad things happening to him and batting-wise. He's always so negative. The more negative you are, the more negative things are going to happen to you. So I feel like if you have the positive outlook, you're going to get you're going to get the breaks more often than not. If you if uh if you dwell on the bad ones, you're going to start getting the bad breaks more often than not. So So it's all about the vibes. It's all about the vibes, for sure. That's how I always feel. Um <laughs> you know, there's always those people you see like they're always complaining about their bad beats, and they always keep getting bad, you know, bad beats put against them. So, and then you get people who run good, and they just run good, and they're always happy about it. So they don't, they expect it, and it happens, right? Yeah, I'm just gonna start expecting it then, because we've been uh, we've been running pretty good. Yeah, it'll happen. All right then. So that'll we'll wrap things up then. That'll do it for us. Um, we'll be back next week though to recap this one, and then we got some really nice pay per views lining up. So. Um, until then, we'll be back uh, back on Monday or Tuesday, and uh, 
Good luck on your picks and enjoy the fights, and we'll see you all next week.